Josie, I think there should be more fun things for our Patreon supporters. What about you? I don't. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Uh, and you're lucky, Robin. Your wish, your Christmas wish has come true. Because they, your New Year's wish has come true. Because... Uh, because your Hanukkah wish has come true. Because your Patre- Whitson wish. Sure. We've just don't know when this is going to go out. So we'll cover your all wish the has come true because because of Patreon faffing about and changing things and threatening to make people's lives different. What we're going to do is uh, put in tiered rewards. So you know, uh, if you put in slightly more, you'll receive more glamorous things, more signed books, tote bags, etc. If you put in slightly less, we'll still love you and not love you any less. But we might come around to your house and take one of the tote bags you had from someone else. Away. Which, if you have as many as I do, is a blessing. Really. It is is quite nice to go, I wonder which uh, book festivals, etc. I did this year. (laughs) (laughs) That is correct. We will be starting with tiered rewards from the next season in early 2018. But don't worry, whatever amount you uh, contribute now, you will still get access to all the stuff you currently do. So the extended episodes, uh, some bonus episodes, box of books, uh, prizes and all that sort of stuff. But there will be some exciting new things coming up as well. Oh, I've got that, but I've not read it. It's really, really interesting. And it's really, he's a really interesting person. So basically, I, are we started? We started. We're Hello. On. Welcome to Robin and Josie's Book Shambles. This is a Christmas catch-up, our books of the year, what we've been reading, what we've been enjoying, what we recommend. And I was just talking because uh, a friend of mine in Glasgow uh, was introduced me to uh, Bruno Battleheim's uh, book, which is called The Informed Heart. And um, it's really like fascinating and even just the introduction of it is so beautifully written when it talks about kind of modernity and what that does and what creativity ought to do. And he basically says that any work of art now needs the person to put their heart into it because that's the only way it's going to work in the modern world and things like that. But then uh, after he'd recommended it to me and he lent it me, he was like, also, this man was completely disgraced and disavowed and did some terrible things. So then I looked at his Wikipedia. It's like a really interesting person, a person who like had survived Hitler's like um, concentration camps, like then gone on to practice psychotherapy, done all these like um, pioneering treatments, but at the same time has been kind of had been like outed for kind of terrible treatment of people within kind of psychological facilities and stuff and it was just like well firstly so complicated and difficult and yet the book itself is so kind of humane and tender and thoughtful and interesting and so I recommend it as a as a thing to read and read his book but don't live his life as he lives his life <laughs> well yeah and also, it is tricky it's, isn't it you mm. read it's like Arthur Kessler who wrote Acts of Creation and, and various other things and, mm. and, and these big what else did and, he write and oh, I'm trying to think now. He wrote one, uh, uh, the case of the midwife Toad, which I think is kind of slightly sceptical. But but then I, uh, before I started on any of those, I just bought them, thinking oh, I'm writing a book which has got something about creativity. And then you read uh, about extremely abusive, um, you know, behaviour, and indeed possibly that uh, he may well have um, raped Jill Craigie. Uh, the documentary filmmaker who was married to Michael Foot. I, I can say that I think because I think that's that's out and out in there. But you read it and you go, uh, oh, oh. So because this was an interesting. We're talking about this more about music the other day with someone. But that point 
where someone's behaviour gets to a bit where you go, I know I should separate the art from who they are, but there is a point where you go, oh, I, do you know what? Morrissey. We're it's, talking about Morrissey. Well, not, <laughs> do you know what? There's a, there's, there's a, there's a, uh, not necessarily, but I mean, Morrissey I've given up listening to anyway, but there's various people that I just kind of go, oh, do you know what? The more I think about it, the more I find it hard to enjoy. And also the work. more I think there is such abundance when it comes to work. There's such abundance when it comes to beauty and accomplishment that you don't need to spend a lot of your time wrangling with like, Oh God, I just, I want to like this thing, but I'm worried. You can just be like, ah, put a pin in them. Let's read some art by women. <laughs> can I say, <laughs> as you've said that, on the, the, the show that we did with uh, Jeff Garlin, talked about a wonderful bit of synchronicity that just before we kind of started, we were talking about Alan Moore and then right at the end, as we were meant to have finished, he suddenly mentioned an autobiography of uh, Marty Feldman's autobiography, fantastic story about how that was found, etc., which was a book that had been given by, to me by Alan Moore. Now this, by the way, when you listen to this, it, Jeff Garlin's episode might have gone out or it might not have done but i like the synchronicity of this because the book you've just brought into the studio is a book that i looked at today as i was leaving the house uh it is uh, a, a a very very beautiful book and we were just talking about morrissey and morrissey stole wholeheartedly in the in the way that he often did i don't mean that in a bad way as you know genius steals was one of his uh, motivations from oscar wilde mm-hmm. um you have with you uh which book is it so this is um by grand central station i sat down and wept which is a book I finally read this year after having like been in love with the title of it for 30 years or whatever, 20 years. Um, but um, I wanted to talk about it with you because I borrowed it off of Trent, who's our producer, and I found passages of it to be beautiful and transcendent. But on the whole, I was like, all right, mate, chill out. Oh, really? I just couldn't. I, it was that thing of I just couldn't feel like I was truly bonded with her because there was a part of me that thought, if you were one of my friends, you would drive me crazy. I'd be furious at you. You're making terrible, selfish life decisions over and over again. And I know that's ridiculous. And I suppose it's like, and I feel like that's a babyish response to like bring it too much into the real world and not treat it as this kind of, you know, poetic explosion and stuff like that. But I just couldn't help myself. I guess the time I was reading it, I don't know like what I personally felt. I don't know. But there was part of me that was just like, come on, mate. Do us a paragraph, just setting us precisely in place, and then please, like, like that sounds patronising. Like honestly, some of the poetry in it is so beautiful, and it's like fascinating and all that. But yeah, I I found myself kind of bristling with it in a way I didn't expect. So let's check. Is that thumbs up or thumbs down from our <laughs> panel? Of the, but no, it's. I, I mean, it is a very. Uh, that's the thing. Is I. I think I, I didn't get so. Uh, th- though I find it very. It's got the the great line. Send me the pillow, the one that you dream on, which mm-hmm. was. Uh, um, of course, some girls are bigger than others, and uh, a lot of the Smith song. Well, I wonder uh, is taken. Uh, is found within this book, but I, I just find it very beautiful and sad. And I know what you mean. It's not like a bit like we were talking the other day about Gemma Bovary. And that's another, by the way, another lovely bit of synchronicity is, as I said, we've just recorded a a show with Jeff Garlin. And Jeff Garlin, the book he's reading at the moment, is Madame Bovary. So not only did I look at by Grand Central Station as I sat and I wept before I left today, and then you've just brought this in by chance. But the (laughs) review on the front is like Madame Bovary, blasted by lightning by Andrew Carter. All links. I would say as well, like you read parts of it and you're like, this is a perfect, a perfect paragraph on what that feeling is when you fall in love. Like there's a bit in it where she talks about how like 
Do you need joy? Because I'm overrun with love. I have love for everyone and everything. I'm like part of the universe because I'm so in love. And I'm like, yeah, I get that. And it's completely correct. It's a beautiful, beautiful way of putting it. But I suppose that's, I feel like perhaps had it been a collection of poems, I would have bought it 100%. Because it's put together as a narrative. I'm like, oh. I'm like, I felt like I was living with her and not. I don't know. I don't know what it is. But yeah, you see, I found the, sorry. The reason I mentioned Gemma Bovary was I, fa- I had I found that difficult. The Posey Simmons kind of take on her because I just found most of the characters to be assholes, huh. and they're kind of people that you go, oh, I know people like that, <laughs> um, and you just think, right, you're a very nosy baker, and I think you're a bit as well, <laughs> and and then you're a very lazy man. And, oh, you've all made terrible mistakes with trying to mend that toilet as well. Do you think it's something like, I think perhaps I'm going through a little phase at the moment where I just don't really want to buy in to any idea of, like, the artist as this incredible poetic, uh, like, starship going through the world. I just want to, like, be like, real people tell me your real sadness in a plain way and I will appreciate it. Everything else, who do you think you are? <laughs> I don't even know what it is. But yeah, I would I would be love I would love to like if anyone fancies reading it and having a chat about it. Well, I'm to. sorry that that was a book that in any way I recommended to you and <laughs> Trent did, because you I've read my first Jean Reese this year, uh Good Morning Midnight. And Ooh. uh I really enjoyed that. Good, so so it turns great. out I've given you a bum steer <laughs> and you gave me a good steer. What else have you read? That's the only Jean Reese I've read so far. This no, no, year. I mean, sorry. What else have you read this year that you... I made a little have... list, right. The one that I've just started on, uh, ones that I particularly liked. I'll, I'll see if I've uh, got... Uh, ah, well, I wanted to mention this, which is John Higgs's new book, Watling Street. Oh, well. Uh, John Higgs is a great... Uh, I've talked about him on this many times before, Stranger Than We Can Imagine, which is a brilliant book about the 20th century and it's kind of... The, the reaction to everything being decentered. And Watling Street is uh, a book, a kind of a, a travel book, a journey, a journey uh, across England uh, from kind of Dover to Wales. Um, it just has a, the, the way it opens is beautiful because he also wrote the book about uh, why the KLF uh, probably burnt a million pounds and a, a biography of Timothy Leary. That he just explains about Midsummer Boulevard in Milton Keynes was actually deliberately designed like Stonehenge to have the light on midsummer as the sun came up that the light would go directly down it and it was and that Milton Keynes was greatly influenced the actual because you, you look at Milton Keynes and he says it's a little bit like a Canadian airport that's trying to make itself at home in Buckinghamshire it was um Actually, sorry to always talk about the same person, but it was Alan Moore. So we did this tour years ago and we do them every now and again where we get this van and we just try and put on gigs off the back of it anywhere we can. We did one in Milton Keynes, which was in a park. Turns out directly in front of the police station. The police very lax about impromptu gatherings. And um, Alan Moore gave a kind of little performance about the people who helped design Milton Keynes. Oh, yeah, well, it, well weirdly enough, that, it. that is kind of opens it and it's about... John Michelle's book, The View from Atlantis, or View Over Atlantis, which is uh, all about ley lines and things. So suddenly you have this whole new view. I live quite near Milton Keynes, where even though it seems cold and sterile and, you know, the, the, he talks about the oak tree that, that, that died and it, it, it go, you go, oh, the actual people who were designing it, though, were reading all these late 60s books about the kind of the, 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 the myth 
uh, of uh, the myths of Britain, and yeah, it's uh, and, and how they they're not merely the myths, but also the the geography of Britain and and the the, the man made uh, parts of, mm. of, of of Britain. But to um, build that magic into it is yeah. really exciting because then it makes it a secret, doesn't it? Because yeah. you just go boring, and then you go. <laughs> Oh, there's a secret here, though, and that's fantastic. Well, I asked um, the crowd. I remember in Milton Keynes, I was like, "What do you think of it?" And then someone went, "Well, wherever is what you make of it." And I was like, "Very true, very true. Yes, wherever is what you make of it." Anyway, so John Higgs Watling Street is very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just read this. This again, but we should say this isn't a review of like these are the books of 2017. No, these are the books things, we read in yeah. 2017 because uh, we we're not burdened always by following fashion. That haven't been said. Um, I, I read uh, Scotty's book, which I think came out this year about masculinity. It's, it's a book of his shows, uh, and I really recommend it. Oh, it's, Scotty, sorry. Uh, he's a performance artist. Um, uh, well, kind of broadcaster, writer, <laughs> um, and he's um, he's incredibly inspirational in terms of what he does. Like similarly, but better than Avantors, he set up a commune uh, for a while where people. It was a queer commune. He set it up in. Um, oh gosh, I'm being stupid now. In Essex, uh, I think, and basically it was a place where people could come and eat together and getting all different types of people together to kind of talk about art and what it means to be LGBT and what it means, like or, or, like really, really interesting projects that he does that kind of really like engage with people and like are very open. Anyway, so this book, uh, I think it's called Masculinity. I feel really stupid not remembering, but it's fantastic. It's out. It's very slim. It's his show book and I recommend it to you. Well, while we're on masculinity and femininity mm-hmm. and things like this, uh, I read when I was in Australia, uh, I read Fight Like a Girl by Clementine Ford, who, uh, and it's uh, a very interesting, it's just, it, it's kind of an autobiography of uh, the things that she's faced in terms of based around her sex. And uh, and she's very, she's she's um, wonderfully pugilistic on uh, Twitter and she's always taking people on and it just runs through lots of different things about growing up, about attitudes towards her, uh, about attitudes of being slightly one of the, you know, kind of outsider girls, not part of one of the beautiful set, then about, you know, again, social media and about treatment by people. Um, I was meant to be doing, there was an atheist conference in Melbourne that has unfortunately been cancelled, and I was really looking forward to uh, meeting her there um, because the moment... It was cancelled by God. God Yeah. (laughs) Well, not not, not even, it wasn't even the main God, it was one of the the Norse ones that got involved (laughs) um, because the Norse one was annoyed that he felt that we weren't concentrating on people not believing in him. They felt that a lot of atheists were concentrating on not believing in the Abrahamic gods. Mm. So there were a lot mm. of issues on that. But what was fun was the moment that she was announced, I was getting these things from people just going, oh, you do know um, actually that she says things like kill all men and that she, sometimes she signs books. And I said, I think it's a joke. I've really had a look about <laughs> And I don't think I don't think she is killing all men because she's married to one and uh, she's got a son and, and she hasn't... And, and also, that's a very sort of like 2017 thing to talk about is the fact that like there are different forms and uses of like language that might seem violent and that some people using it are held very much in bad faith because it's convenient from people with more power to be like like i'll never forget that uh, young woman who tweeted hashtag was it hashtag kill all white men or something like that as a joke and then was hounded oh, that, for that, it. That was in and like UCL, absolutely, wasn't it? Uh, it was Goldsmiths, I think. Goldsmiths, right. Absolutely kind of like hung out to dry for it when like 
if you take that in good faith, it is a person responding to institutional violence in a light-hearted, tongue-in-cheek manner. But, of course, the internet is just well, that's this it. kind you just, of People have got to learn just not to use it because you can't, you can't use it like that anymore. It's not... It's, you know, you look at something like the Stormzy uh, thing where... People find what he tweeted five years ago. Oh, but it's slightly and, different with that. No, no, no. no but I mean, no, what I'm saying were... is the whole. I'm not just talking about that individual thing. I'm talking as a whole. That I, I, what a relief that I wasn't a teenager when social media existed. Because you were a Nazi. I was uh, <laughs> not a Nazi. Also, a thing to do on podcasts is not jokingly say that I was a Nazi. <laughs> no, he definitely, definitely oh, wasn't. Man. And I totally understand in good no, faith no, but, the point he's making, and I agree. Like, no, but I know they're separate things, but what I mean is that the, the point is the moment something is out there, it can now be interpreted so hastily, mm. so quickly, it can be used in so many different ways of that course. it's best just to recommend things you've seen that you've liked. But then that's <laughs> tricky stop. too, because is what that leads to is a kind of stifling and suppression and then how do people negotiate that and you know but why oh, are we doing it all on fucking twitter know, anyway it's not it's like stop talking there go and talk to some people and just and and i agree it should be nice to be able to make jokes and do, you to remember do things there was like that, that time when i guess the daily mail or the sun would kind of pick up would go to, and obviously, I mean, this is not like, we'll go to like a Jimmy Carr gig or a Frankie Boyle yeah. gig and then take down a joke as if they'd said it as a public statement verbatim and then create a bad faith article that was like, Frankie Boyle said this. And it's like, well, I mean, to be honest, like the, both of those people make jokes that I would never, ever want to defend and wouldn't seek to have them say anyway. But at the same time, it's like, Guys, that, that wasn't a public statement. That was a gig. Like, please, this is not... Anyway, um, the book uh, by Scotty is Bravado. It's great. I recommend it. It's really interesting. And yeah, I Also, and I well done, because it. it is a book from 2017. Is it? So welcome to our books of the year. <laughs> well, well, I, the other one I said was, to, yeah, we're really modern. We so, yeah, Welcome to the favourite books we've read that oh. were published in 2017, because we... And I've had some really great collections of poetry that I've read this year. There's one called Swims, uh, which frustratingly, I cannot remember the author's name off the top of my head. But don't worry, um, the machine will remember for you. <laughs> Thank you. The machine remembers everything. Um, uh, and which is, a, you know, I mean, it's obviously my wheelhouse. It's a book of poetry about swimming. Is that the one um, by Elizabeth Chamberlain? Yes, yes, it oh, is. <laughs> and uh, Derek Brown, who I was very, very lucky to do some touring with, uh, with Eugene Merman a couple of years ago. Uh, his book from this year is fantastic. Um, there was something else as well. I'll tell you what, we'll come back because uh, Nathaniel Medcalf, our comics correspondent, is here and uh, he's on his lunch break from the brilliant Gosh. So uh, we better get him in. Yes. Because otherwise he's literally just come to sit in the room where he can look at us through the glass. Yeah, true. But she does like looking at us. He loves glass, it. Though. He loves it. You've got yeah. so many more to get through as I've well, and few, I've been yeah. too chatty. I'll tell you what, very quickly then. I would, no, no, no. Uh, one that I've just started, which comes out next year, is Philip Ball, Beyond Weird, uh, which is all about quantum mechanics. Wow. And uh, it's... Um, uh, Philip Ball is a brilliant science writer. He, you know, for someone like me who is is, is not, not great on understanding some of the, you know, big ideas, he wrote a very successful book called Critical Mass, um, and it's him trying to explain how, in some ways, the way that quantum mechanics is talked about is to just go, hey, it's weird. No, it's not weird. It's the way things are. And the mathematics is very difficult, but it is very counterinstinctual. And he, he's trying to show you a way of understanding it again without 
having a deep understanding of the maths, which means obviously you never have a scientific understanding. But he's a great writer, and so this is I've I've, I've just started like all books about quantum mechanics. There's lots of quotes from Richard Feynman, so I always <laughs> enjoy that. Um, and uh, and yeah, he's he's just. It's it's very. Um, but also, how wonderful that understanding the universe feels so counterintuitive to us as human beings. That's great. Yeah, the it's it's very. Uh, so Philip Ball's Beyond Weird, which I don't think is quite out yet. Hello, we are joined by Nathaniel Metcalf, our comics correspondent. <laughs> Hello. So, Matt, hello. Hello. Right? How are you? I'm I'm, I'm frazzled. I'm frazzled. Are you? are you getting a lot of people being like, I need a book. I need a book for someone. I don't know what they like. Um, but they're my child's. <laughs> Yeah, they like comics. Have you got any of them? What's the best one you've got? Someone asked. And you go, oh, it depends. What do you like? I want I want an A-grade one. They say. And then that you show like... them things. And then after 10 minutes, they explain it's for an eight-year-old. And you go, well, that's not, none of these are going to be suitable. Yeah, I'm afraid Lost Girls may not be the best <laughs> choice. For... Um, the, I've read for the first in. time, uh, and I know it's taken me a very long time, and you both mock me for this, but I finally read uh, Contract with God. Oh, Will yeah. Eisner. No, terrific. And which some people go, it's the um, it's the first graphic novel, really. It's the first graphic. No, it's not. It's a comic book. It's a comic book. It's fine. <laughs> but it's amazing, isn't it? Oh, I love contract. I love Eisner. He's one of those people that I think loads of people could still learn from Eisner because he does comics. His thing's all about storytelling as well. So he doesn't. Um, it's all just the best way of telling a story. So he's a good. His his stories are good anyway, but they can only really be told in comics. The way they do them is kind of. Um, it wouldn't work as a film necessarily or would have to be completely restructured to be a film and things. But he's still great. He's got a book um, which is called... Is it called Storytelling? Eyes in the Comics and Storytelling? Which is still one of the best ones to tell you about how to... Uh, about the mechanics of comic books as well. And I think he's got an instinctual idea of how they work and why they're different from other media. I thought it was brilliant. Do you, have you read Contract with God? No. Oh, you can't mock me. That's I wasn't right. good. Oh, you preempted it. <laughs> I don't want to either. The, um, but yeah, it's really. Uh, and the other one that I've only just again, sorry, my my comic book reading is very behind. But not all of it's from the nineteen seventies. Some of it's <laughs> even only a few years ago. Charles Burns's uh, trilogy, the one which the the hive. Oh uh, yeah, uh, yeah. That, that was. Uh, I really like Charles Burns. It's one do. of those ones. What's that one? He did black, black hole. hole. Black yeah, hole. Okay. Black hole's like yeah. like the the masterwork, isn't it? Love it. Great work. And. Um, but it's really good. What was it? The first volume's called X. Cross. Well, it's it's X'd out or crossed out, I guess. Yeah. And there's the hive, the hive and a third one that I'd remember if my brain wasn't uh, hasn't been deleted. But it has that nice uh, likes I've I've been reading as as I bought from Gosh last year the complete eight ball. Yeah. So yeah. now even though I've read like a velvet glove in 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 iron just as a book, now I'm reading it in serialized <laughs> again. For so, but that that ability to for Charles Burns to create. It's not a nightmare. It is a dream. Yeah. It's a very confused dream. And the way that he goes through, and as you piece it together and realise what this individual, this guy who wakes up in his bed, he's got a bandage on the side of his head, and he's kind of caught in what he sees as just this this dream, this perpetual dream that builds up to these kind of ideas of, of, of guilt and failure with lots of just... Like these these strange lizard headed creatures that yeah, just yeah. swear the whole time. Get out of the fucking way, you fucker! What are you fucking doing? I fucking crush you! If I just really in, in little kind of uh, short sleeve shirts and ties. Yeah, <laughs> just, yeah. I think there's something about those '80s kind of cartoonists as well that, are, as well as being being able to tell these kind of amazing stories, they're also um, they're also incredibly good at drawing. 
Charles Burns, especially, I think, has got he's such a terrific illustrator that his books don't even need to be that good because no, they're so pretty. You could take a page yeah, yeah. out and put it on the wall. And but they are. They've got that. And I think his stuff and in common with something like like a velvet glove casting iron has that very 80s David Lynch kind of thing mm-hmm. about them. Very much in that. And if you like those books, it's a very easy recommendation. Have you watched the new Twin Peaks? I have watched it. I've only seen the first three episodes. I loved it. I loved it. I, what I like about that, it sort of, it redefines what television is, isn't it? It's saying this is this is television, and I like how lots of it's the way it's been done. Almost feels like it's been done on the cheap, where they've done they've got someone who could only appear via Skype, so yeah. you get scenes that are just entirely Skype calls phoned in. But I like that. That's uh, it's like when you're watching it, I keep finding myself going. This is television. <laughs> it's television. We're well, watching the television. Shots, aren't there, which are really like the kind of thing you would normally imagine seeing in in an art gallery. Like the, the, there's just a bit with kind of uh, Dale Cooper on what a, 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 a platform, like a kind of almost like the, yes, top, the yeah. top of a water tower, but one which is disembodied and placed in the middle of some area of the universe. Yeah, and you could easily just imagine going, "Oh, that's very interesting." You know, it's like mm. so beautiful. Yeah. And it's much further away from. I've only, like I said, I've only seen the first three episodes so far. But it's like it's so much further away from Twin Peaks in terms of the narrative. Exactly. It's like, I'm sure there is one. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. But if you think about that, if you think of that new series of Twin Peaks is television, and so is Homes Under the Hammer, and how like <laughs> the spectrum of what television is. And I, I think that is great. I think it's really redefining what what it is, what what it is as a medium. That is brilliant. If Lost Highway, you know, where there's someone who's watching their house, <laughs> if it turns out they're only watching the house because they want to use their house for homes under the hammer, yeah. that makes Lost Highway a far less interesting film, yeah, it doesn't does. it? It does. If he's, that's why he's calling Bill Pullman up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so what have you brought uh, with you? you well, I, I was trying to do, uh, again, there's just things I've thought of in the last hour or two. But uh, I was trying to think of things that would come out this year. And online, Gosh has put up a kind of best of 2017 anyway. And there's a little bit of crossover. But I suspect it's a very solid list. And I suspect it's gonna, there's going to be a lot of crossover with lots of people do when they do their best comics of 2017. So I thought I was, I'd try and do a few deeper cuts of things that might not come up. But certainly, if you look at the Gosh Comics website, there's a, a really solid... Best of twenty. You go. That's a solid choice. <laughs> it's good that you've got. That's good. That's very. That, that that should be on that. That's. But but just things I've liked, as well as that. Which is, this one is also on the list. Which is um, Anna Highfish is the artist, and it's they're a collection of comic strips from um, that originally appeared in Vice magazine, and they're about. It's 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 like what. It's someone. It's called the artist, but it's basically about someone who's a real struggling artist, but which feels very now and of the moment. And it really reminds me of like pals of mine that went to art school and hanging out with them in the evenings in kind of damp gallery spaces and uh, you know kind of check lagers that you get given out of a bin with ice in or something. It's that sort of art world, and there are lots of they're just very short strips. Um, but it's all that kind of stuff. And it also, I don't really like the word, but it's very relatable to anyone that does any kind of creative thing. It's its its sort of, it's being creative, but without being necessarily successful. And she's um, shes German. I don't, is it, I think she might be based in Berlin, but it's all very, it feels very much like that. Like if you know anyone that's been to art school and then beyond trying to just kind of get gallery space, but also... Just struggling to produce any work. It's they're like kind of very short, funny comic strips, 
that are all very much like you go, oh, yeah. And it has a real sense of all that stuff. You have a real, you can kind of smell the sort of damp on the walls of the galleries there showing all their stuff in. But I think I'd find it too hard to read in a way. I'd be like, oh, no. It please. is a little bit. There's bits of it where it's a bit like, you go, Oof. But it's funny as well, but it's got a, it's, it's, a, it's melancholy, I guess. Mm. Oh, can I mention, actually, just mention artists. And, uh, and when you were saying about those things you go to, I was thinking of that time, you, you know, you turn up to a railway arch. that We've only got yeah, three yeah. days before they turn it into <laughs> something else. And, and that, that bin of beer. Natalie K. Thatcher, who, uh, Jiggling Atoms, and she did various interesting uh, little kind of cartoon strips of uh, Richard Feynman and stuff. And also, uh, in fact, did one of the cartoon strips about Richard Feynman in the Monkey Cage book that's come out. Um, she's done some lovely illustrations for a new book from Strange Attract called Pagan's Progress, which is another of those kind of, uh, you know, the, the ge- geography, I think it's called. Huh. You know, we're looking at the Gaia <laughs> part of geography huh. and uh, and lovely illustrations. That's Strange Attractor, Pagan's, uh, Pagan's Progress. Oh, and there was something I was going to recommend and my brain has just forgotten. That's frustrating. It'll come back. No. Is there any way? Is there any way you can give us enough of a clue so we can make the machine do it for you? You haven't given the machine enough to remember from your next book. So you keep working. Well, another one that was on Goshi's best of 2017, I really liked, was Killer Be Killed, and I I feel I'm going to really struggle to recommend this in a way that doesn't make me sound like a lunatic. Ha! But oh my god. (laughs) <laughs> oh, oh, Josie, don't even look at it. No, but I love, <laughs> like, yeah, I, I've read some brilliant uh, graphic novels about um, serial killers well, and about the sort of kind of people around them. Like, I, you know, I, I think there's there's nothing wrong in being interested in horrible, awful things. <laughs> um, well, this, this is a book, it's about vigilanteism. Oh, wow. And the kind of, the starting point is is like a man who is, sort of makes a deal with the devil who is given this kind of flu that gets worse and worse, but has to kill people to make himself feel better. And it's and it's sort of about... Then the character then has to kind of intellectualise murder and how what he's doing is justified. And But it's this kind of struggle within himself and it's very... It's that kind of thing that has been done before. And in that way, it's exactly the same story as even something like Little Shop of Horrors. It's that kind of... But it's Brubaker and Phillips who have always done crime fiction. Ed Brubaker initially started as a right, cartoonist. Sorry, can yeah, we, we just say yet again? The, the just uh, you. I know for the audience, you don't know about the synchronicity, but we just recorded Jeff Garlin, and the first person he talked about was Ed Brubaker. Oh, okay. It's all happening. This is Ed Brubaker, but he initially did a thing called Low Life, which is a thing he wrote and drew, and it was. He always writes oh, crime why fiction. Why weren't you on before Jeff Garlin? Then when Jeff Garlin said Ed Brubaker, we both looked like idiots. Like we could on, uh, well, oh, you mean Ed Brubaker who did uh, Low Life. Life? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can you sit under the table in future as, and join the machine as our uh, fount of knowledge? Well, I'd, I'd love to. I, that's, I, I always feel like uh, I feel a bit sad of the internet because knowledge doesn't feel like it feels like you've just looked it up now, doesn't it? But it does lead you on chains of discovery. Oh, it does. It does. But I always wonder how much I know things, actually, or mm. how much I've just answered the question I have. It's like Google Maps. Yeah. You know, yeah. do you know the place? Or are you cheating? Um, I've re- remembered what it is that I've, uh, I was introduced to the artist Joff Winterhart. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This year, um, we I was lucky to do like a conversation thing with him at a gallery as part of the Grayson Perry exhibit in at the Arnolfini in Bristol. And obviously he was like the nicest person to meet, like so interesting, so kind of uh, smart and 
varied in the work he does, how he does it, like inspiring, cool. And his books are so great. Uh, there's one called The Banyold Summer, or Bagnold Summer. Like, uh, yes, yes. I've never I said it out loud. Yeah. Absolutely loved it. Like, it's such a perfectly observed portrait of a teenager in the 90s, having been one myself. <laughs> and, um, and his mum, and it's so loving and detailed. And then he wrote another book, which is called... I think it's called short car journeys um and it's sort of a, a little bit about masculinity but again kind of given my own experiences with masculinity this year that have not been so positive it's really beautiful reading this book about kind of older men relating to younger men and these kind of male spheres that are, you know are being kind of tenderly and thoughtfully examined and also lots of work about um uh what's the word um business parks <laughs> And um, that's sort of I wouldn't have guessed that. Yeah, it's really, um, yeah, really, really interesting, and I really recommend it. Um, both of those books. Um, uh, frustrating now, I can't remember the exact title of the driving. You've given us enough clues. Yeah, they can use their own machines to have at home. Yeah, his work is great, and it's uh, comic books and yeah, strips. Also, another thing I read, which is, yeah, you might have given this to me, was Threads from the Refugee Yes, Press. yes, did you yeah, give that yes, to me? I did. I loved it so much and I cried all the way through. It's so beautiful and sad and great and humane. And it's about a comic book artist who went to volunteer in Calais and about kind of the people she met and how she felt and kind of telling different stories through it. And yeah, I really recommend it. Uh, next one. Uh, yeah, the Iron Duchess or Fred the Clown adventure or Fred the Clown in the Iron Duchess is uh, Roger Langridge and he's a New Zealand cartoonist who's been around since like the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s. And again, more and more what I, I find I like in comics and it's not so much the stories or the narrative themselves. I just like the way it's told. So the Iron Duchess is a, a silent movie. Essentially, it's like a, a comic silent movie, but huh. done with his character, Fred the Clown. And it just does it. It's a real kind of classic 20s era silent movie. Huh. So there's no words in it whatsoever. And it's just really funny and fun. And it just completely owes so much to the kind of Buster Keaton kind of thing. It's a really nice way of using comics. But again, it's like, this is what a comic is. Yeah, exactly. And that's what a comic is. You know, yeah. it's so joyful. And it's pictures. That. I really, and more and more, I, I kind of like things that don't need to... Uh, wordy comics aren't necessarily what I'm into. I like the idea of comics being their own medium. And well, they not... don't have to be Yeah, wordy. exactly. That's the thing. It's like I, I finally starting to realise writing scripts is that actually you don't need to go, these people need to have a long, witty conversation. Like, they can have three lines if the other things you're writing about that you are showing yeah, yeah, yeah. show it much better and quicker. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. I think that's it, just thinking of what the medium is. And there's lots of things I read that I go, oh, that's a good story. I don't know why it's comics. And there's lots of comics now that feel like they're pitches for TV or films. And you read them and you go, sure, but it's like a movie, isn't it? It's just a movie yeah. that you've done. It's not, um, it's not... It's not a song in your heart that you had to sing. <laughs> right, we're going to have to rattle through the last one. Oh, God, okay, well, another one that is very much like a movie is... Trigger Man, which is another crime series, which is an unproduced Walter Hill screenplay, which they, um, and it's just lovely. The artwork in it's done by a guy called, I think, Jeff. Is he called just Jeff? <laughs> yeah, it just says Jeff, J-E-F. J-E-F. And that's, Jeff uh, is the least Madonna yeah. Madonna. Yeah. Um, something, uh, again, just something else I really like, which is uh, uh, Black. Sorry, I just love those things where you just get a frame and yet there's not much on the on the whole spread page. It's kind of 
bullshit, ain't no way, and then just a man holding a Tommy gun, which is just saying, butter, butter. It's all you need butter, to say. Butter, butter. It's all you need to say. Yep. <laughs> uh, Black Widow, which is a sort of superhero series. I think superheroes are very easy to sort of deride, but when they're done well, they're incredibly good. And this is uh, uh, Mark Wade and Chris Somney, who um, previously did Daredevil. But again, what I like about them is it's just all storytelling. They just there's it's not really it's not terribly wordy, and the first issue is virtually silent and is just it's like a, the the first issue is just an action scene played out for 22 pages and it's um and their stuff's tremendous and i think it's very easy to kind of look down your nose at some superhero things but if you if you find the right ones they're often much better told than a lot of talking heads comics that might be much more easily appreciated hey what do you think your (laughs) you should do audio books of comics (laughs) um thing i like this year spy seal by Rich Tomazo, <laughs> which is uh, exactly what it says. It's a seal who's also a spy, and he's trying to do a kind of very Tintin-esque thing. But it, again, it's just really lovely bits of sort of cartooning in it, and just it's a real kind of pleasure to to read. It feels like an exciting kind of monthly. Um, what was that wonderful one about uh, where uh, thinking of anthropomorphized animals? Uh, about the after the kind of the new ice age and they end up in the Louvre, I think. Huh. And it's uh, oh, I do know what is lovely. that called? I, Celestial Babendum? No, no, it wasn't called that. But oh, <laughs> oh, what am I? Yeah, I might be the same author, but I don't. Yes, think it was yes, Celestial yes, Bebendum, yes. It was, it was. Thing, and it was, and it was, and they're digging away, oh. and then they basically fall into. The... It was called glacial. It is. It's the guy who did Celestial Vivendum. That's what made me think of it. Yeah. Gosh. Anyway, that was great. Right. Sorry. <laughs> um, Mr. Higgins Comes Home, which is Mike Mignola written, who's a guy who created Hellboy. It's drawn by Warwick Johnson Cadwell, who's a, who's someone who's very influenced by Mignola, but is, is, does it more and he's, kind of, he's much more used to... It's got a more cartoonish, humorous style to it. And it's, it's, like, um, it's like a sort of hammer horror spoof. Like, it's very much... It says it's trying to do something like... Fearless vampire killers or something, but it's really satisfying. It, well, I say it's really satisfying, but it also takes twenty minutes to read. Ha! Huh. Which is I the best you, kind Albert. of book. Yeah. Speaking but of ever and ever and Golga. <laughs> Speaking of Hammer Horror spoofs, have you seen there is a drama series on the BBC iPlayer at the moment called Feud Betty and Joan? Oh yeah, I've heard about this. I've I, heard about this. I watched it all in a day and a half. It is so much fun. They get Susan Sarandon and um, Jessica Lang, both of whom were similar Oscar rivals, although not kind of out and out rivals, um, at similar stages in their careers now. Although both kind of luckily having more parts mm-hmm. and opportunities these days, but um, playing Betty Davis and Joan Crawford, it's so it's a little bit schlocky because it's made by the American Horror Story people, so it's a little bit schlocky. But I'm so into it. And there's an episode which is the hag exploitation episode where they talk about, um, you know, all of the films that kind of them having seen that whatever happened to Baby Jane, which I recommend to everyone if you haven't seen it. It's like absolutely, you know, massive as a film. But like because that film did so well, they were like. Oh, people like seeing old actresses being humiliated, eh? <laughs> so then they just made like film after film, and all these films that I'd never heard of, like Straight Jacket, which is a Joan Crawford uh, film. Um, William Castle, isn't it? 
Uh, probably. Who was the, the guy who, who did things like House on Haunted Hill, where oh, wow. there would always be he he and the Tingler, where they mm. actually it was about a little thing in the base of your spine that get that when you scream you get rid of it, but if you don't scream, like if if for instance you were someone who was mute, then the Tingler grows and they put little electric shocks in the base of some of the cinema seats so people go, oh my Tingler, <laughs> <laughs> and then well and then um. Also, there's a film with Olivia de Havilland in it about she's trapped in a lift, lady in well, a cage. Well, it sounds good. When they reference it, it sounds ridiculous. It's like I'm trapped in a small private elevator. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, but um, yeah, it was really. I, I yeah, I think that's up my street. I look forward to that. And then Trog. Did you know about oh, Trog? Oh yes, Trog yeah, 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 yeah. I've never seen Trog. Have I've never seen, seen it? it. I know it's a big favourite of John Waters. He's a big fan of Trog. It was one of the ones he played at the BFI a couple of years ago, and I know a couple of people that went and were were bemused, but. Oh yeah, it's, I mean, it seems terrible. It's, it's one of the, as many people know, that the uh, one of the the books that made the League of Gentlemen, who've obviously just come back with hugely successful uh, return, brilliant uh, three parter, and um, Alan Frank's book of horror movies, which also was incredibly important to me when I was eight years old, has one of the color. You know, there was only a certain number of color plates, mm. and it's just a big image of the troglodyte from Trog. <laughs> um, you also brought in, by the way, Berserker. Yeah, which I'm very excited by because it, it seems to be a new comic book, and it has an interview with. Um, um, Alan Jefferson, who did Galactic Nightmare, yes, Galactic Nightmare, which is Trunk available out, from Trunk yeah. Records now, which was a, a giveaway kind of Jeff Wayne's War of the Worlds, but it's so much fun. It's one bloke from Hull, yes, doing yeah. this whole the whole music, and it's all about a galactic nightmare. It's brilliant. Yeah, when that came out, yeah, I got one from uh, Trunk Records, but part of the thing you had to do to get one was as well as put £20 in an envelope, you also had to draw a picture of what you imagined a galactic nightmare might look like. <laughs> and I really like that as a thing. And, you go, and I remember going, I haven't really got time. And then <laughs> and had a really lovely morning <laughs> drawing her. Not enough of that these no. days. Not enough of that. No. Not enough of save up 35 coupons yeah. and send them off. <laughs> Everything's just click this code. Um, we've run out of time, so I'm, I'm going to rattle through some other ones. Comic book things. This is for you, by the way, Joe, so you can keep it. So I'm going to hand it to you, no. and then you don't have to hand it back. Murmurs of Doubt, 12 Sceptical Graphic Novellas by Rebecca Fox. It has got an introduction oh, by me, but you can skip that. Is, uh, it's just a really nice collection of real-life stories, predominantly of people facing up to kind of the dogmas or whatever which were in their lives and, and questioning them. Wow. Um, and she's also done, which you can't have, uh, a little one, which I think, I don't know if you've got it in, Gosh. I don't know. Uh, it's called How to Be Reasonable, and it's... It's uh, kind of just about how to think and introspection and, and thinking about and it's very nicely done by Rebecca Fox. Yeah, yeah, it's not reasonable. familiar to me. I must say John Osborne gave me his new book. It's a small book. It's uh, small in size. It's big in ideas. It's a lovely new collection of his poetry called Nobody Cares About Your New Thing, which is really like so great. Uh, the poet John Osborne. Um, yeah, that was so great. I really recommend it. My other thing for you is The Worm no! and, and the Bird by Coralie Bickford-Smith. No. Just It's very beautifully done. It's just a very simple, I mean, you could call it a children's book, but it's so beautifully done. It's absolutely fine for adults, just the bird and the worm and that. And it's very, very, just a picture book, but very beautiful. Oh, it's beautiful. Um, yeah, it, very traditional in one way, but also so well. Uh, 
other things, uh, a suggestion of ghosts, uh, which is edited by Johnny Maines, uh, which is supernatural fiction by women between written between 1854 and 1900. Oh, Johnny wow. is a, a huge. Uh, he wrote a book about Herbert von Thal, who, who did the Pamper Horror helped put together a book of the screenplay of Sorcerer, the Sorcerers, the uh, Ian Ogilvy movie made by did Michael Dead Reeve. Funny as well, didn't he? And Dead Funny, the collection of where, which Dead Funny books are still available. Dead Funny and Dead Funny Encore, which has a brilliant story by uh, Josie in it. And also, everyone you love is in that book. You know, you've got Reese Shearsmith, you've got uh, Izzy City, Izzy got City, Sarah Pascoe. Stuart Lee, Sarah Pascoe, Alice Lowe, three different ones by Alice oh, Lowe. Wasn't revenge fun. We've run out of time, so the other things I read, some of them were. But Is It Art by Cynthia Freeland, How to See the World by Nicholas uh, Merzuf, I What's think, which about? is one of those pink pelican books, those new pelican books. Lovely. It's all about just the different ways that we see the world and how seeing the world has changed, which probably fits in quite well with another book that came out uh, in the last year, which is Will Storr's Selfie, uh, which is, is uh, well worth to be into. Mark Fisher. Uh, did you ever read Mark Fisher? No, but I was thinking who then I know the name. You'd probably like him. He oh, he, he, he wrote away, really he? yeah, unfortunately very very sadly he, he um he, he took his own life and he he was uh um this Mark Fisher's The Weird and the Eerie is his final book. And uh, it's just a really interesting, the way that he deals with kind of, you know, a lot of the, the shows we were brought up on, sometimes the gothic ones, the supernatural ones, and uh, and then also deals with it historically and looks at kind of ideas of the uncanny from Freud. So the, the weird and the eerie is great. Um, Barbara Cummins, uh, Our Spoons Came From Woolworths, one of the greatest titles. Uh, I've only just started <laughs> reading that and uh, recommended uh, by my friend, uh, uh, and it's... Barbara Cummins, very interesting. I first got into her because all of her book covers used to be Stanley Spencer paintings. Oh, I, I was going to say I read a fun book uh, which is called His Bloody Project, which was nominated for the Booker Prize the other year, and usually I'm really not up to date with that kind of thing. <laughs> and it's about um, a young man in Scotland in the late 18th century, I think, late 18th, forgive me if it's wrong, who um, commits, who is involved in a murder trial and you sort of read it and it's kind of it's all kind of not explicit what has happened. So as you read it, you feel like you're reading these case notes and coming to conclusions. But it's also such a great book about kind of the crushing, like, horror of living under the aristocracy and stuff like that. And it was really fun. And I watched, I haven't yet read it, but I bought it for my sister for Christmas, but Alias Grace, the Margaret Atwood. Um, and I think it's similar themes to that in a lot of ways. And I thought the two of them, it would be a lovely pairing. Or a lovely gift, combine the two. A lovely gift for someone. Um, yeah, sorry. No, don't be sorry at all. And oh, the final book I have in my hands is uh, the uh, screenplay of I Am Not Your Negro, the film uh, about James Baldwin's unfinished book wow. uh, uh, about um, the assassination of, of uh, his friends, including uh, Malcolm X and Martin Luther King, and, and the thoughts that it... Uh, uh, what it inspired him to write. And he never finished turning to a, a, a little bit disappointed by the book just because it is only the screenplay and I was hoping it was going to be a little bit more of the story of the fact that James Baldwin's sister gave Raoul Peck this um, book and said, look, it's only 30 pages long, but I think you can turn this into a documentary. I think there's something here and I would highly recommend, I would still recommend buying the book and uh, I would definitely recommend going to see the film. We didn't get through a lot of things. I should have mentioned also there's a new... Oh, Libby Jackson. And I've forgotten the name of it, but Libby Jackson has done this wonderful book that's meant for children, but I read it all before I gave it to my son, which is about uh, women in space and women in space exploration. Oh! And it's every everyone, for, including astronauts and Monica Grady, who's been on this before. and Some absolutely brilliant... Uh, it's called A Galaxy of Her Own. Yes, yeah, some absolutely brilliant uh, books for... Well, not exclusively for girls, but for younger girls. Oh, 
have come out this year, like the Good Night Stories for Rebel Girls and the, um, what's her name? Surname's Pankhurst has written about three, obviously brilliant books about women. Uh, great women in the world, that's it. And then the other one that I uh, uh, was recommending was Driving Short Distances by Jocelyn Gellar, which is so great. And that was the... And Glacial Period was the book all about the, the Louvre, which we were talking about. Thank you very much. That's just a few of the... I'd also say, by the way, there's an, if you're a wedding present fan, an enormous book has come out just charting the whole of the wedding present, uh, their, their, their kind of history and stuff with various different people talking about it. And that is called Sometimes These Words Just Don't Have to Be Said. And uh, that's all about the wedding present. And I also quickly recommend Comma Press, who uh, I wrote one essay for... Not an essay, it's a short story kind of um called thought x uh, and they wrote uh, they've put together series books about sometimes scientific theories sometimes philosophical theories short fictional stories about them and then someone who actually knows something uh writes something off the back of it oh brilliant yeah so that's comma presses uh that's such thought a great x. idea and dead funny encore is still available in some shops thanks very much nathaniel metcalf my pleasure my pleasure happy new year Goodbye. Probably not Christmas. Probably won't be in time for that, but we hope you did have a happy Christmas. Happy New Year. Good day. <laughs> hey, Josie. Good news. Yes. Oh. Anyway, so the uh, <laughs> we're gonna we are doing a series of book shambles live events at the Albert Hall, the smaller one at the side. Uh, you, you didn't say the Royal Albert Hall. You just said the Albert Hall. Yeah, it is just Bolton's Albert Hall. <laughs> the, uh, we are doing uh, a series of book channels at the Royal Albert Hall. I didn't say royal because I know you've got a thing. Um, yeah, I'm that. a Republican. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so Not we... Not in the American sense. Although Americans don't have the monarchy, but you know what I'm trying to say. And the monarchy. And the monarchy. No, I'm not, I'm not calling for any violence. I'm just saying we shouldn't have a monarchy. Iceland doesn't have a monarchy. They've got a great new prime minister. So if you'd like to be more uh, keen to elect 41-year-old female uh, environment uh, campaigners, why not come to the the Royal Albert Hall? (laughs) The Royal Albert Hall. There will be a series of book shambles live at the Royal Albert Hall, small room at the side, uh, where we will be talking to scientists, astronauts and various others about books they've written and books they like and things they might want to take into space and things they might bring back from space. Sounds delightful. Should be fun, shouldn't it? Be all right? This podcast is part of the Cosmic Shambles Network. Josie Robbins' Book Shambles was produced by Trent Burton of Trunkman Productions. (laughs) 